Well, because you get different perspectives. Like, so for instance, the narrative that we believe from whether it's social media or the news is telling us one thing. Right. It's similar to what our own minds do without the, all that. Yeah. So all the news is really doing is saying, hey, these are the limited facts that we're going to give you. We're going to tell you what you should know. And here's the limited facts that prove our point. Mm-hmm. So you're hearing that one narrative. And if you automatically go to, that's true, that's 100% true. That's what I believe now. Welcome to Confessions of a Financial Advisor, the antidote to conventional financial wisdom. My name is Al, and I've been a financial advisor for over 20 years. This podcast will explore the emotional and psychological factors that affect our behaviors. All of the other financial podcasts out there will talk about the numbers and the math. We will confront the stories that we all fuse with that ultimately set the course for our lives. I am not looking for new clients and have no intention on running for any kind of office. I'm going to tell you like it is and call out all the commonplace BS. Now, let's get into confessions of a financial advisor. All right, Diane, we're live. Hey, y'all. Hi. How's it going over there? Great. How are you doing? Doing well. I kind of threw a little bit of an audible at you here. Yeah. We're going to do something called the cult of safety. I love that title. And it's about how kids are coddled. Yeah. And it comes from a book that I read called The Coddling of the American Minds. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I can pronounce this guy's name, so I might butcher it. Greg Lukianoff and then Jonathan Haidt. Those are the two authors of the book. Okay. And the whole premise behind it, and I've heard so many people reference this book that I had to like go back to it. I did listen to it a while ago. It sounds fascinating. I would probably really enjoy it. Yeah. And it's kind of very prevalent in what's going on with this virus. And that's kind of why I wanted to get into it. Mm -hmm. Just how polarized people are on the topic of this virus, you know, this. Oh, everyone's, no one's short of an opinion. Yeah. Yeah. It's either, you know, it's a liberal hoax or you're just terrified and like you won't even. The world is ending. Yeah. The world's ending. We're all screwed. The book makes three points. And the first one we're going to focus on mostly, but we'll touch on the other two. The first one was, it's kind of funny. It's like, what doesn't kill you makes you weaker. Mm. So it's kind of like that polar opposite than what doesn't kill you makes you stronger by Frederick Nietzsche. Mm -hmm. So the idea is, this is what we're teaching our kids. This is what's been taught because we've been in this kind of paranoid parenting paradigm for a while where people are just overprotecting their kids. Like wrapping them in bubble wrap we've talked about before. Yeah, it's a cult of safety. Everybody's like, oh my God. Like there used to be a time where you'd have a baby yeah, and like you wouldn't put things on every corner and there wouldn't be child locks on everything and there wouldn't be like a million things trying to protect this kid. Right. Just let your kid roll around. Probably in the dark. And when I see it sometimes, like we went to the beach recently and I saw some, there was literally like a two-year-old, maybe not even two, barely walking, like just stumbling around. Mm-hmm. Like the kid was just like walking down on the beach and the parents were like a good ways away and they just let the kid go. Yeah. And I just think it was fine. But like, I, I could feel it in myself. Like, oh my God, well, there's nobody around this kid. Right. Like you're so used to people hovering. Hovering. And then you see a little two-year-old just running by themselves on the beach and, you know, somebody 50 feet away. I'm like, that's not close enough. <laughs> they need to be within five feet protecting What's them. What's the term? Helicopter parents? Helicopter parents. Yeah. Just constantly hovering with the goal of protecting and shielding and keeping them safe. But it's like, let them play. Let them go run around outside. Let them fall down. Yeah. We all fall down. 
Right. The kids internalize this, though. The problem is the kids internalizing the idea that, like, I'm weak, I'm fragile. Right. I need to protect myself. What doesn't kill you makes you weaker. Like, you're not taking any chances. You're... It speaks directly to the cult of safety. Yeah. And then it kind of jumps into this study that I was not aware of. Mm-hmm. And I've talked about this before, too, with friends. And it's kind of like a, not a funny topic, but like the whole peanut allergy thing. Right. We all talk about... It didn't exist when you and I were growing oh my up. God, like, no. It wasn't a thing until, what, the 90s? Everybody had peanut butter and jelly sandwiches like in elementary school and junior high. I'm like, yeah, that's what I brought for lunch almost every day. Now, look, there's regulations in the schools. You can't bring stuff with peanuts in I mean, there. it's not even just peanuts. It's like any nuts or like anything oh that's God. like even touched a peanuts, like any peanut products. This is hyper safety mentality. And I always thought to myself, this can't be true. All of a sudden, like there's peanut allergies out of the blue and there's a reason behind this. Mm-hmm. And it has something to do with we're coddling these kids too much. Mm-hmm. But I didn't know how to put that together. And then I found this study. It's called the LEAP study. Mm-hmm. And the LEAP study, and it's an acronym, learning early about peanut allergy, LEAP. And so they took 640 infants. Mm-hmm. These infants were at a higher risk than most other infants. They either had eczema or okay. had other types of allergies. They wanted to use this kind of group. Right. And they took half of those 640 and they said, mm-hmm. we're not going to give you anything. You're going to avoid all peanut products for the next four. Totally abstain from nothing. peanut exposure. Yes. Yep. And then they took the other half and they said three times a week, you're going to have a peanut product, peanut butter, whatever. Mm-hmm. They did that from an infant and then they retested all these kids when they were five years old. Okay. Now... The ones that avoided any type of peanut products had a 17% incidence of allergy, peanut allergy. Mm -hmm. The ones that had peanuts three times a week, Mm -hmm. 3%. That's a statistically significant difference right there. I mean, significant, right? You're talking more than five times the amounts. It's the whole concept, which I've always thought, and I'm not a scientist. I never had any any kind of reason to believe this. It was just more of... The idea that it made sense that you need exposure to things. In order to build immunity. Right. That's the way your immune system works. If you, yeah. It's like being a bubble boy. Like you put somebody in a bubble for a couple of years, then tr- put them out into the real world. They're going to catch everything. They're going to be overwhelmed because they have no immunity built up because they've had no exposure. Yeah. And so like our generation of kids would like run around with other kids. We'd be like rolling in the dirt. We'd be like, just, you have. Hand sanitizer was not a thing. No in hand the 70s sanitizer. and 80s. No. It just wasn't. I mean, no. That whole trend is I mean, recent. Yeah, the ninety nine point nine percent antibacterial. Like, like, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. Our bodies have this need for exposure. Mm-hmm. There's a benefit to exposure. Well, and like, take this to like challenging life experiences. Mm-hmm. People who don't ever encounter a really challenge, whatever that looks like. We've talked about grief and trauma a lot, but you know, when you've never encountered some an experience like that, you have no immunity to it like you're just thrown Mm. in the deep end and you have no idea what to do yeah because you've never been exposed to something challenging and those of us that have been it's like oh okay i can do this i've done hard things before yeah it doesn't feel as scary once you. i built a thick skin remember like that everybody says you build a thick skin Mm -hmm. it's not you have a thick skin you build a thick skin through experience yeah exposure avoiding this exposure leaves you more susceptible. Right. It's kind of the way it works. And there's an actual hypothesis called the hygiene hypothesis, 
that your immune system will overreact if you don't have the exposure to these microbes and if you're always on antibiotics and you're always sanitizing right. and you're not playing outside. Right. That's the idea. Like a peanut allergy is your body has never had it. So now it's overreacting to Having it. Having like an inflammatory response. Right. Yes. Because it doesn't have like yeah. an oversized reaction. I totally like the way you're going with this, though, because it made me realize that this goes in every aspect of life. It goes in like physical, mental, social. Totally widely applicable. Take a kid that's never had social interactions yeah. and you're going to throw them in a room and try to socialize. Send them to school. There's no exposure. He doesn't know how to do it. How would you're he? You're going to be totally overwhelmed. Right. Like fish out of water. Right. They built up no strength. I mean, immunity doesn't really apply in that scenario. It's more like the mental muscle kind of thing. Yeah. It's like public speaking. You know, once you do it once, you've got the perspective that I've done that once before and I didn't die. Yes. And that was very much my experience with being in New Orleans, that you've been here for these past three days. You've traveled here from wherever. Yeah. You now have proof of experience that you can do something yes. like this. And it builds strength. Like, well, now I can't deny that I can travel somewhere just by myself. But it does directly relate to your immune system because your immune system has to build an immune muscle. It needs exposure mm -hmm. because it toughens as you give it more exposure. Like it, it becomes more... It's like working out. Yeah. Like building muscle. How do you build muscle? Yeah. You lift more weights, heavier weights. Not by sitting in the lounge in the sauna. Yeah. <laughs> That's This is true. So that cult of safety is so detrimental. And the funny thing is, it, I'm not trying to vilify parents. They're coming from a place of love. They're doing the best that they can. They're coming from a place of wanting to be a good caregiver and provider. Yeah, it's the opposite of what they want. They're trying to protect their children. But in, mm -hmm. in protecting them, you're leaving them open to... Vulnerable. Vulnerable. It's the unintended consequence. Oh, so important with kids. And this is something I battle with because... All the kids around my kids are the same. They all have phones. They all like hang out. They all, they're all like very insulated compared to the way we grew up. Yeah. And it's very hard to like get them out of that mode. You know, like we're constantly trying to get them out of the house and like, let's go to the beach, go play in the ocean. Go, let's go move, get dirty. Right. Like, don't worry about it. You're fine. Like, right. Stop, you know, looking at the blue screen. Yeah. Looking at the blue screen. No, I just want to sit on the couch and look at my smartphone. And play on Facebook. Yeah. And Instagram. Yeah. And so, again, I'm no, not a scientist. Don't have any scientific background. Don't know anything about viruses. Mm -hmm. But in my opinion, it kind of seems that this whole virus, this COVID-19, mm -hmm. that everybody's trying to shield themselves from, mm -hmm. is a lot of times getting the people that are shielding themselves the most. So, for instance, I have a friend. But I did everything right. I wore the mask. I did. I sanitized. I only went out three times in four months, you know, and I was okay. very safe. And I followed all the rules. Yeah. And I got screwed anyway. It's like. Right. What does that tell you? But people don't want to hear that. That's not what. No, it's not a popular opinion currently. No. And just talking about it on this, I'm going to get plenty of calls. And no one is speaking out about it because people are afraid to get judged for having well, a contrarian opinion to what the media is propagating. And we talked about underlying this damn mm -hmm. virus is fear. Fear is what's feeding it ultimately. Yeah, the narrative. The news media has taken it and they're really good about going to the negative. Yeah. They took this and it's feeding frenzy now for them. Like, oh God. It's like a running ticker. 
daily maps. Oh, there's another million, you know, positive tests. I'm like, yeah, well, yeah, there's going to be more positives because you're testing more. I'm, who needs to see this? Who needs all of this information? We know this. Like, why? Like, what do we, and what can we do with that information? How is that information helpful? Is it helpful? You thought like, you know, the cult of safety was you know, going strong before, like it's like double strong now with this virus. Oh, it's kicked into overdrive. Now it's like bubble wrapping your kids. Like nobody wants to do anything. Like I can't, I can barely get friends together right now to do anything. I'm like, it's been, I took a step back. Oh, there are a lot of reasons. I took a big step back from Instagram, but one of them was people were like yelling at people yes. about the whole mask issue. Like people were angry. People were judgy. They're like, what is wrong with you? Wear a damn mask. And I'm like, wear a damn mask. Don't wear a damn mask. I really don't give a fuck. Like, honestly. Yes. It's not impacting my daily life. And there was this um, picture going around. I think it was on Instagram. Joe Rogan mentioned it, but it was, it's basically this obese lady yelling from her car with mm -hmm. a bag of McDonald's in her lap, yelling at some, like somebody running that wasn't running with a mask. Oh. Like, put a mask on. You're going to kill us. You're going to kill everybody else. They're not telling these people that, hey, if you have a pre-existing condition like obesity, you're more at risk. <laughs> Maybe you should be more concerned with what you're doing than with other people. Maybe you should take a look in the mirror. Nobody wants to say that. Start at home. It's this no. crazy world we're in where you're not allowed to say anything. Hyper judgment. Yeah, hypersensitivity. An argument that people have is that you've offended me. Like that's not an argument. I can't help if you get offended. If I speak my mind and you're offended. I'm not responsible for your feelings and reactions. No. That was the second of the three points that they make in that book, The Coddling of the American Mind. The second of the points was always trust your feelings, never question them. Hmm. You know, CBT, which is cognitive behavioral therapy, is the polar opposite that you're always questioning mm -hmm. what's coming in. Like, what is your mind doing? And what's underneath this? What's underneath it? It could be something completely different. You know, your first reaction is not... so. I was telling you that I hired a business coach and she's really good about pushing me. She's like, okay, go deeper. Uh-huh. What's underneath that? I'm like, damn it. I'm like I was cursing at her and she was laughing. Yeah. She's really good about gently guiding me mm -hmm. to things that I'm not comfortable confronting. She's like, okay, but what's underneath that? And what's underneath that? It's often not the superficial feeling that's the right. root cause. Yeah. And yet our society doesn't teach us to dig. Mm -hmm. What's really feeding this? Right. Whether it's a limiting belief or a story about ourselves or life, because it's not comfortable. That's the basis of a lot of therapy too. That's why people, so there's a great book. It's one of the best books I've ever read. I Lori Gottlieb mm -hmm. is the author and it's called, maybe you should talk to someone. And she's a therapist and it's her experience yes. with her therapist. Yes. And it's a phenomenal book. I got to go back to that. I haven't listened to that in a while. Yeah. Oh, my God. It is like I got halfway through and I'm like, oh, no, I don't just like this. This is one <laughs> of the best books. And I read a lot of books. It is one of the best books I've ever read. Yeah. And she explained the title. And she said, the title is not implying that everyone should go to therapy. Although there's tremendous value in any variety of therapy. Yeah. But she said the title is more about maybe you should just talk to someone. It doesn't have to be a therapist. Mm. Maybe you should communicate what you're experiencing. And that's how that's how we connect with each other. It's through sharing our stories. Yes. 
Well, because you get different perspectives. Like, so for instance, the narrative that we believe from whether it's social media or the news is telling us one thing. Right. It's similar to what our own minds do without the, all that. Yeah. So all the news is really doing is saying, hey, look at it from this angle. This is what's true. Right. These are the limited facts that we're going to give you. We're going to tell you what you should know. And here's the limited facts that prove our point. Mm-hmm. So you're hearing that one narrative. And if you automatically go to, that's true, that's 100% true. That's what I believe now. And I'm all for this protest and that cause. And mm-hmm. all I think about is I think about if you do that with your own minds, like if you're basically as soon as thoughts come in, and you're not like you said, digging under those layers, what's underneath this? Yeah, if you're believing the superficial of the, the top layer, mm-hmm. and then you run with that layer, you're fucked. Yeah. Because that top layer is not telling you really what's going That's on. That's why people repeat patterns yeah. throughout their lives. Yeah. And I have to say, not to get controversial on purpose, but I was listening to, once again, Sam Harris. And mm-hmm. he just like, I like the way he, he does all like the research for me. So like, I like people that mm-hmm. sift through crap and they compile it. Give me the bullet point. Yeah. Because I don't want to be yeah. digging through papers and stuff. So he was saying that the, the reality of the police brutality thing is that there's police brutality towards twice as many white people than there are black people. But you never hear about any of the white people because it's not... It never makes the headline. doesn't make a headline because nobody wants to see that. It's like... Because it's not sensational. But there's twice as many. And they're videoed. And if you went on YouTube, you could probably find them just as well as you can find the ones of black people. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying either one is good. And I'm not saying like one's better than the other. There's nothing about... We're not condoning violence on this podcast. Right. No. no. <laughs> police brutality across the board is a bad thing in my mind. I, be- I yes. truly believe that. But the narrative is that it's predominantly towards black people. And people are blindly buying without questioning. Yeah. And again, I, I'm all for Black Lives Matter. I'm all for All Lives Matter. I'm for, all for all equality. Equality. Yeah. But nobody's questioning the narrative. Like, why not? So if you hear a guy like this, Sam Harris, that tells you this, and you're like, oh, well, I never really thought about that. But there's some people that hear like that statistic or they'll research it on their own. They'll find that statistic mm-hmm. and they'll be like, I don't give a shit. I'm still believing this narrative. I'm not letting go of my beliefs. And that's the danger in believing something without evidence. Without questioning. Yeah, without logic, you know, without mm-hmm. reason. Mm-hmm. So that's what drives me. That's what's been driving me crazy bananas during this time. Yeah. Because you're seeing it play mm-hmm. out, you know, and and it's not only that, it's violence, there's businesses being shut down. Right. There's so much, I shouldn't say just dis- collateral damage that no one's really considered. Collateral damage. That's a great I'll give you words. Totally. <laughs> you're right. It's collateral damage. It's just the downstream effects that nobody's looking at. Right. And I mentioned also, you know, if you're trying to save the whales, right? But you're decimating the plankton population. Yeah. You got to think about what you're doing. Maybe you're doing one thing to help and then it's really destroying something else. What are the unintended consequences? <sighs> yeah. And again, maybe maybe there's no way of knowing what they are. Right. But if you're not even thinking about that or not open to it. Yeah. You know, opening to new information. I think that's what's been so frustrating during this time is that we're getting so much misinformation. People are so rigidly holding on yeah. to the fear. That's what is underlying all of it. Yeah. And my mother and I disagree. We agree to disagree about this. Because she's like, well, it's based in science. She's like, this is really scary. I'm like, okay. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Based in science. What? So you talked about 
Well, you know, I love words. So you talked about the definition of the word protest. Mm -hmm. And this comes from, again, that book. So I'm not, you know, coming up with this. A protest is the narrative that what is wrong right now? Who is to blame for what is wrong? Mm -hmm. And then what should we do about it? Mm -hmm. Who's the culprit? And that's basically what a protest Mm -hmm. is. Like it's, you know, those three things. What's wrong? Who's to blame? And what must be done? So once you have a narrative on that, like, this is what's wrong. Those people are to blame. And this, and now we're going to like shut down the police right. and we're going to do this and we're going to do that. I'm right. They're wrong. I'm right. There. It's us against them. You start taking yeah. sides. Oh, it's combative and competitive. Yeah. Which is how our culture was founded. This country was founded on a culture of hyper competition mm-hmm. and a foundation of scarcity. Like, yeah. There's not enough. I have to take from you in order for me to have enough. But that's not sustainable. And it's not true. No. And it's people blindly believing in these narratives. And getting caught up in, I think, being part of, maybe feeling a sense of belonging, that they're part of some movement or something. I think so. Yeah. But I mean, Uh, yeah, gangs are the same way, right? (laughs) (laughs) Doesn't mean it's good for you. Oh, my God. I hear what you're saying, though. You're right. No, it is a sense of belonging. You know, you're trying... So for another funny story, a guy that I go hiking with mm-hmm. when hiking this weekend, he tells me that a kid comes up to his house, knocks on the door yeah, and says, can you sign this petition for me? It's for this protest or something. Like he didn't really know what he was talking about. Okay. He's like, can, can you sign it? It was like a high school kid. Yeah. And Dan, of course, won't sign shit. My friend Dan, he's, he's like, yeah. I'm, not, I'm not signing anything until you tell me what this is about. Right. And the kid couldn't tell him. The kid okay. was like, uh, well, it's about, you know, equality. And he's like, equality for who? For what? What do you, what do you mean? I want to be a little bit more clear. And finally, the kid kind of got annoyed and just like wound up walking away. Dan's mm. like, I'm not, I'm not signing that. Wow. And so, it, again, that's a high school kid. I'm not saying you need to know all of the facts about everything. It's almost impossible to do that. That's impossible. But you yeah. have to have some idea of what you're talking about. You got these people out there that are just taking sides and they don't even know why they're they're just blindly going forth with the mass media yeah and not questioning not stopping to think to question Mm -hmm. and that's just a really look at look at what happened in um, germany in the 40s pretty scary i mean it's an extreme example but people just went along with the majority yeah and look how that turned out. Yeah, the, Not so well for several million people. The madness of crowds. Yeah. It's, yeah. The hysteria. It's a little bit like Lord of the Flies. It's got that Lord <laughs> of the Flies kind of. That's what 2020 feels like, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, Lord of the Flies. They got to do a remake, 2020. Oh yeah. Who's got the conch? Well, we're more than halfway through at this point. So maybe the second half will be a little easier. It's got to be right. Well, we got this election coming, so we'll see. We'll see how that rolls out. That's going to be a freaking shit show. It already is. Well, to kind of loop back, so the cult of safety was the title of this post, and it's based on the three different points they make in the book, Mm -hmm. the coddling of the American minds. Mm -hmm. What doesn't kill you makes you weaker, number one. Mm -hmm. Number two, always trust your feelings. Never question them. And number three, life is a battle between good people and evil people. Mm. And it's the job of the good people to shame the evil people into doing right. What does that remind you of? Remind you of anything? <laughs> I don't know. Catholicism, maybe? Shame, right? God isn't an angry white dude. Yeah. He's going to cast you out if you sin. Ooh, you, re- you should repent. What the 
confess. This is what children are taught. This is why you and I are both recovering Catholics. Which it, the recovery period from being a Catholic is extensive. Yeah. Because I went to Catholic school for several <laughs> years. Yeah. So overall, I've always had the feeling that more exposure just to everything is going to make you a stronger, healthier person in every aspect, social, physical, mental. Well, it's getting out of your comfort zone too. It is. And trying new things and having new experiences and meeting new people and having new conversations. It's like, where is the opportunity? (laughs) And you talked about, you mentioned something called the hygiene hypothesis. Yeah, I think I mentioned it earlier. It's the definition I had was it's the immune system's overreaction that happens when there's not exposure to certain microbes Mm -hmm. or if you have too much antibiotics or if you're sanitizing too much or Mm -hmm. if you're not outplaying and you're not like involved in Mm -hmm. exposing yourself Mm -hmm. to things. And they call it the hygiene hypothesis. And it always made sense to me. Mm -hmm. I mean, it always makes sense that, you know, less medicine is better than more. You're hyper cautious. Are you really protecting yourself? Or are you possibly putting yourself at increased risk right. when you are exposed to something? It's always the opposite. Like it's the opposite of what the media sells us. You probably know people as I do that have gone through like countless rounds of antibiotics over the years that just kill everything. It's oh, just yeah. like it's killing your good shit, your bad stuff. Oh my god, no immunity. I mean, that's that alone is like let your body like unless you're deathly ill. I mean. Hmm. You know, when people are giving their kids medicine for every like little thing and it's like mm-hmm. you're just constantly like bandaging and wrapping and here, drink this. Oh, you got a little ache there. I'll oh, take this pill and like let the body work itself out. Heal. Yeah, heal. Mm-hmm. Mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Man, I, I didn't, you know, when we were first to start talking about this, I didn't realize how many ways it related to like everything. Every aspect of life. I, w- I was just looking at it with the immune system. I was looking at it with... The peanut thing and how that relates to the immune system. Mm-hmm. But you just mentioned that what you had that one sentence of like, yeah, it's well, think about being in society and like you can't be social if you know, if you weren't brought up being social and you throw this kid in a party, what are they gonna do? They have no idea what to do. Right. It's like a deer in the headlights. Yeah. They don't have any experience with it. They haven't built that muscle. Mm-hmm. Well, think about also like when it comes to failure and success. I mean you know, if the kid doesn't have many failures, I think that's that's a cool thing with sports is that it shows, no, maybe it doesn't show kids how to handle failure, but exposes them to failure. Yes, exposes as a good word. Yeah, to the experience of it. That you're not, your team's not always going to win. Right. You're not always going to get a trophy. Yeah, and you're not going to die because you didn't win. Right, you can survive this. Yeah, you can handle it. It's all a mm-hmm. confidence builder, right? Yes. Ooh. Yeah. yeah. You're just building confidence and your immune system's building confidence. Like the more you expose it to things. Mm-hmm. And so a friend from college uh, texted me saying, by the way, I tested positive for COVID-19 Yeah. and I'm okay. It's been, it's already been 12 days. I had very mild symptoms. Things are, I'm fine. I've, I've been quarantining. I just want to let you know, I didn't want to come out with it when I first got it. I wanted to go through the quarantine first. Mm-hmm. I'm like, well, what have you been doing over the last four months? And she's like, Al, she's like, I went out three times total in like mm-hmm. the last four months. And I basically wore a mask and I used hand sanitizer, washed my hands as soon as I got I home. I took all the recommended precautions. Every precaution. And she got it, right? And then mm-hmm. I, I told her, 
and not that I'm proud. It's not, not something I'm just proud of. It's just what I did. I didn't do any of that. I'm like, I was, I've been in and out of grocery stores almost You've every day. You've not been day. at the grocery store for every single it's day. It's our social hour, right? It is. <laughs> I need to get out. I've done that. I've been on three round trip airline flights since April. You know, I do wash my hands and I don't really use hand sanitizer, but I didn't mm-hmm. wear a mask until they t- said it was mandatory. Until it was mandatory. I'm not saying people to do what I'm doing, but I just come from that belief system of, I want exposure. I mean, unless it's like, I felt like the whole time, like I was thinking like, why are people so fearful of this? Mm-hmm. And maybe I, should I, am I the crazy one? Should I just be more fearful and I'm just not fearful enough? Right. Like, am I not? gauging the danger level here accurately. Mm. Well, I was telling you about some of my family just traveled crossing state lines and the state they were going to had these requirements in place. Like they had to get a a permit, like for lack of a better word, in order to travel. And then the department from the state is calling them the day they get there to check up on them. We need to know where you are. We need to know how long I'm like, what is this, a police state? We even put in checkpoints at the state border. Like, the level of it, they're explaining this to me, and I'm like, this is just, reminds me of, like, The Handmaid's Tale. I'm like, this is a level of crazy. Like, I had to stop watching that show because it was making me so angry. <laughs> yeah, my ex didn't go up to New York because of that. She, she's just scared yeah. that she can't get back, you know, or, like, with the restrictions they're going to put on her. She's like, screw it. They have a two-week quarantine yeah. requirement. I'm like, are you freaking kidding me? Yeah. Yeah. But I think it, see, it, it's the same that happens in the markets. People can deal with bad news, mm. but they can't deal with uncertainty. That's absolutely true. And so uncertainty is like you're telling people on one hand, everybody's got to wear a mask. And then on the other hand, you're saying the mask is like a sieve. It doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Like, so you got these two conflicting views. Right. Where's the truth? We don't right. know. So you're, you're telling people two opposing things. They don't know what to do. They get scared. Mm-hmm. It's kind of what happens with all this. Or you tell people that, you know, asymptomatic people can still spread it. And then there's mm-hmm. another doctor that says asymptomatic people can't spread it. Mm-hmm. You have to have symptoms in order to spread it. And then there's people saying you can only get it once. And then there's other people saying you could get it twice and you can get it multiple times. I'm like, forget it. Until you guys figure it's it out. Information overload. Or almost like just leave it alone until you know. You just start spewing out things that you're quote unquote facts. Stop talking. Stop talking. Stop talking. Stop talking. Yeah, the media's not good at not talking. They like to talk. Nonstop on 24-hour loop. 24-7. All right. So that was our audible, the cult of safety. That was fun. Yeah. I think it was timely. Mm-hmm. So next week, we'll go back to connection. Unless we want to yeah. do another audible. We'll see. <laughs> the hell knows? <laughs> Write our own rules. Connection's fine. Well, thank you for listening and thanks for... Uh, supporting us at faconfessions.com. Thank you for all the reviews and the likes and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So please, yeah, like, subscribe, share. And the five-star reviews really are helpful to help other people who might enjoy the content find us. Yes, yeah, five-star reviews do help. But yeah, come join us again next week. We'll be talking about connection. It's one of those strongest threads in my own life. Yeah. As far as meaningful to me. I just connect with people wherever I go. Spontaneous. Yeah, you just never know where you're going to find connection. Yeah. It can be very surprising. I've certainly been surprised in my own life. That's a, yeah, that'll be a fun topic. Yeah. All right, everybody. Well, thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next week. See you next week. <laughs>